0: everybody i'm robert and i'm chris and we're the film flamers bringing you another hot take this one covering lee Wanell's recent release
1: the invisible man starring elizabeth moss and oliver jackson cohen and uh at all another one yeah at all (laughs) (laughs) Uh, aldous hodge was a big thing in this movie so i just wanted to mention him but mainly elizabeth moss (laughs) i mean for fucking real right i mean oliver jackson cohen was in it too but he didn't make much of an appearance that's so fucking (laughs) hilarious what a pun you made (laughs) Uh,
0: so chris and i first talked about the invisible man on a shooting the flames episode where we talked about the trailer and i think that we were super excited just based on that and we were really looking forward to seeing this movie
1: as we've liked some of lee one l's previous work like upgrade Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is particularly exciting because we've just not really gotten very many good horror movies so far this year. I mean, January is known to be like where horror movies go to die. and (laughs) February just wasn't that different, right? Yeah. So uh, as we head into March, it was uh, super exciting to see there was a horror movie that's actually rated 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, an audience score pretty much to match.
0: Because I was prepared to start this episode and be like, here's my hot take. 2019 is going to suck for horror, you know, (laughs) but thank God I don't have to say that. So... At least, in my opinion, I don't. I mean, so I saw it yesterday at the time of this recording, and Chris saw it today. So we really haven't talked about it together until right now. Yeah. So.
1: but going back to that uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, consensus, uh, it says smart, well acted, and above all, scary. The Invisible Man proves that sometimes the classic source material for a fresh reboot can be hiding in plain sight.
0: Oh, that's mm-hmm. a really good consensus, actually. I like that yeah.
1: So this was uh, originally supposed to be part of the universal shared cinematic dark universe. Yeah. And this one in particular was supposed to be Johnny Depp cast in the titular role, right? But after the critical and financial failure of The Mummy in 2017, uh, I guess their ambition of a shared universe officially died and they decided to pursue just like self-contained stories based on the properties, which I think is a much better idea after having seen this. And I agree, because even back in the 20s and
0: 30s into the 40s, I mean, like there wasn't a whole lot of sharing going on in these universal properties, right? All these classic monster movies that we remember and saw when we were younger. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of crossover going on. They were just standalone movies that people fondly look back on as universal monsters. Yeah.
1: So what was your I know that you went and saw it with a group and I I actually saw it alone. But what was your uh, initial reaction? I guess well i really liked it and we'll just
0: start off with that i was very pleasantly surprised and i have sort of learned over the last you know year and a half almost two years of doing this podcast that if i'm really excited about an upcoming movie i need to lower my expectations maybe about like 35 percent, just in (laughs) case it's like shitty you know and so i was just like okay let me go ahead and prepare myself for the ultimate worst even though i knew that you know like the audience score and the <clears throat> critic score on Rotten Tomatoes were equal yesterday when I went to go see the movie. And I was like, well, that doesn't happen very often. So um, I went to go see it with a group, including my husband, who never goes to see horror movies in the theater with me, let alone watch them at home, Yeah, and my my cousin – Um, and her uh, girlfriend is um, a huge horror fan too and so like me and her girlfriend were sort of like geeking out like oh my gosh our spouses are going to see a horror movie with us and it's incredible and you know my mom was there and we took my nephew who's also a budding horror fan and so we were all really like anxious to see this movie and we all walked away liking it even Mm -hmm. my husband liked the movie for for different reasons right and I think that you know for reasons that we'll get into in this hot take this movie is is very clever it's very well made very well acted and scary you know i mean it's it's incredibly fucking tense
1: yeah i got so uncomfortable and frustrated uh for elizabeth moss's character that i almost like i was like i want to walk out like I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like i almost wanted to like i was t- talking i was like i think i i'm like just right about the end of my tether you know, and I'm sure this is, its you know, horror movies or really even movies in general, but especially horror movies, I think, are different if you watch them in groups versus you're alone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I i didn't have someone to kind of look over and see if they were like bothered or just as much. Like I had no, you know, that <laughs> shared experience. So I'm just sitting there alone and just feeling so frustrated and just so anxious and just uh, so just I'm like, there's got to be a break in this tension you know and he really kind of drags that out and builds that up to the point where i just almost was like i can't deal with this like i'm going to yeah you know, it was almost triggering in a way especially for anyone that has been in or has known of someone or close especially someone close to you like in a kind of a relationship where it's just so controlling or emotionally or psychologically abusive or manipulative um you know with all this gaslighting and this is like gaslighting the movie <laughs> for right? real oh and God. i mean even more than like gaslight the movie <laughs> but i mean like <laughs> and despite being like absolutely undeniably like the most extreme possible version of gaslighting Thankfully, no one ever actually uses the word gaslighting in the whole movie. <laughs>
0: I know that was quite a repeat. I kept waiting for someone to say that. And I was like, you know, obviously they probably won't because they, they are treating her like she's insane, you know? Yeah. And they, they don't have a reason to suspect that she's being gaslighted for, what, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I will say that my, my cousin who doesn't like horror movies who watched this with us is a social worker and like talk about triggered, you know, after the movie, we all had a drink cause we saw at the Alamo draft house. So we just walked down to the vetted. Well, and we were having beers and cocktails and she was just like, as a social worker, she was like, that was one of the hardest movies I've ever had to watch. Yep. Um, and cause he tackles that particular, um, theme in the movie. So well, I think, you know, he really displayed what it's like to be, you know, in a, in a really controlling, abusive relationship, he just did it in a really fantastical sort of setting.
1: And I thought yeah. that was really, really smart because it's it doesn't go hard into the sci-fi like he does a little bit more in Upgrade, right? It's mm-hmm. like the fact that he can turn himself invisible is like beside the point. It's like uh, incidental and he really zooms in on her psychological trauma and that journey that she's going on having to deal with this. And I thought it was really smart that he kind of starts the movie the way he did with her trying to escape. Right. And, and that tension is, is ratcheted up to 11, just in that yeah. first like 10 minutes. And then it just, you know, you have a little breath where, you know, he, he you know, essentially spoilers, <laughs> essentially yeah. uh, quote unquote kills himself, you know, And then just kind of, it gets worse from there and and it kind of builds again. And if that's, if I have any complaint about the movie is that he builds it almost too long to where I was so uncomfortable and I was so like on the edge of my seat that it was like too much in a way. And I I really wanted that breath, but he really took me right to the edge, almost over it. And then it breaks again. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I totally agree with the the triggered area of this, but it's like, it doesn't trigger you to make you angry with it. Like there was one reviewer early on that said like, this is just like masturbatory for, you know, showing this type of abuse to a woman. But at the same time, I thought it was very poignant and cathartic. I have someone in my life that has gone through a relationship like this. And this person was literally trained to kill. Right. And it got to the point where she was afraid for her life and it still may not be over. I mean, it's just weird shit continues to happen. And, you know, there had to be like security measures done and talking to the police and, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, just not knowing that, you know, she was going to wake up and have a gun to her face or, you know, find them at work or outside her house or something like that. And it was really that serious. And it just really kind of, captured those feelings, that helplessness and the isolation, and, you know, almost a sense of inevitability and, and all of that. And I got pretty emotional after the after the movie, and I was like this, you know, he really did a good job. And to have that moment at the end, where she does get hers, you know, she's able to kind of turn it around. And it makes it all worth it to me in a way, just to having, at least for my part, having viewed it It's certainly probably not worth it for her, everything no. that she went through, um, you know, and then the people that she, you know, that she lost in the movie, you know, and all that trauma that she had to go through. But, uh, for me, I feel like this is an important movie for those reasons. I feel like it's it's good to sh- to show this to the world in a way like this is happening. This is actually not as uncommon as you think. This, t- this sort of thing, and it's it's scary. And I, I mean, I think that you everything you said is is perfect, right? I think that.
0: In, in real-life situations of abuse like this, you know, everyone's like, okay, well, once you get away from that particular spouse, you know, you can start the healing process and move on with your life. And it's not always that particularly simple, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, even if, you know, the, the person who was abusing you is dead, as they, you know, appear to be in this movie, or <clears throat> were led to believe, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to start healing then either, right mm-hmm. and so everyone's like well he's dead now you can stop worrying about it and that's not the way to to talk to people who are in this situation you know they have to have their own time and their own space to to you know work through the process and they may never not you know i mean abuse especially sy- systemic abuse like that will stay with you for the rest of your life and it's just you know really hard and i think that this movie
1: shows that in a really you know true light you know Yeah, and that psychological abuse, you know, it can be just as damaging or more damaging than the more obvious forms of abuse, you know. And so the levels that he shows, like,
0: you know, truth in in abuse and and, um, coping with that sort of thing – this is the the level that was in this movie. I would expect from some high drama, right? But we're getting this in a horror yeah, movie because it was and, all
1: psychological. Like we're not yeah. seeing him beat her or rape her or anything like that. You know, he's essentially beating and raping her mind is what's yep. happening, and it's done so well that you feel it in, and you really going through it with her, and it's really painful. But you know, I feel like the journey is worth it overall, and. God damn it, someone give Elizabeth Moss a nice, relaxing rom-com. <laughs> At People stop torturing Elizabeth Moss in movies or, just, or TV shows. Or maybe know? just a hug. I mean, maybe we'll throw an Oscar her way for good measure. She's already I got mean, Emmys and Beale, Golden Globes. I've already heard...
0: People talk about, you know, what kind of an uphill battle she has this year as far as like Oscar goes, because if Toni Collette can't get an Oscar for her horror performance and Lupita Nyong'o can't get an Oscar for her horror performance, what kind of chance Elizabeth Moss stand? And I was just like, no, I was like, she's right on par with those other two actresses. I mean, like, this is just another example of how, you know, what a fine actor can be I mean, how fine an actor can be in a horror movie right this is an oscar caliber performance to me
1: yeah she deserves so much praise so much praise yeah i mean it's just oscar all over it. every scene almost she's it's 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 hard to pick one scene where she's just supremely amazing but interestingly she'll get another chance because later this year she's going to play Shirley Jackson in a psychological drama and of course Shirley Jackson for those of you don't know is of course a famous horror and mystery author and one book of course that she wrote was The Haunting of Hill House right Mm -hmm. and uh, Elizabeth Moss herself is actually a self described huge fan of the horror genre which is why we see her in these things like us and this and I feel like we're going to see her more especially after these positive reviews you know in, in more horror and I feel like she's quickly becoming, you know, one of the biggest, you know, actresses in horror. And I, and I love that because I, I really loved her performance in us. I thought
0: that, that was also an Oscar caliber performance for a supporting role. I thought she was great in it. Yeah. Um, she's obviously really good at this. And I know that that Shirley Jackson movie played at Sundance and people are already talking about how yep. good she is, mm-hmm. you know, and, Coming from like television, being on Mad Men, you know, and then um, The Handmaid's Tale, I think that a lot of people discount, you know, her work. But I mean, every time that she's in something, she's. Really, just phenomenal.
1: Well, she, yeah, I mean, she's been in these big. Th- I don't know that she's so underrated. Like, she's been in The West Wing and Mad Men and Handma- Handmaid's Tale, and she's gotten Emmys and Golden Globes. You know, so she has been acknowledged. You know, so there's a real chance that her acting in this film could be acknowledged, uh, if not at the least of the fucking Saturn Awards or something. You know? Yeah, she she deserves some accolades, but I mean, somebody else I think who deserves
0: a lot of accolades li- a- deserves of a lot of accolades. <laughs> <laughs> somebody else who deserves a lot of accolades for this movie is lee one l yeah i think that he quickly is making tech horror a thing right and i it's just a, a sub-genre of horror that i don't think of very often
1: but i mean he he does it well yeah you know? well he he kind of gets to the characters right he zooms in on their psychological kind of experience with it rather than let's zoom out and look at all the toys you know, there's yeah. those moments like an upgrade, but really it's about his journey, right? His mental journey. And Leo Nell is, yeah, he's quickly becoming just this huge force as a, as a horror director. I mean, he did do Insidious Chapter 3, which I don't think I saw. Um, and of course he did upgrade and he did this. And what's interesting to me is everything that he's directed. He's also written himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. And, uh, of course he's, he's written a lot of stuff that he didn't direct like saw and insidious. Did you catch that saw Easter egg in the movie? No. Oh, what, what was it? So whenever she's, um,
0: major spoilers at this point, guys. So whenever she's stealing that car after she leaves the hospital and she drives away, there's a piece of graffiti on the wall behind the car she steals. And it's the jigsaw puppet or whatever right behind it of course he would do that yeah yeah and so like we were sitting there having those drinks and my, my cousin's girlfriend was like did you see that Easter
1: egg and I was like yes <laughs> <I> was <just> <laughs>
0: like <laughs> so yeah I just I mean like he he's, he's, he's a good director Chris and I really both loved Upgrade and I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie really. And I just, every time I talk to someone who likes horror movies, especially something like that, like a little sci-fi twinged horror, I'm like, please go watch upgrade. Cause it's so, so damn good. Yeah.
1: Well, this, this movie has already made its money back. It was only made for 7 million and it's made 50 million so far. <laughs> just that is fucking amazing to me. Yeah. I, he made this movie for $7 million. It looks so good. It's such a good movie. Yeah. You know, I just, um, it's amazing. One thing that I was surprised at was I didn't really. Rec- I was like, "Where have I seen him before?" All of, you know Oliver Jackson Cohen, who plays, of course, the titular role. He was Luke from the Haunting of Hill House, the guy that you yep. thought was so hot.
0: <laughs> and I did. So I was sitting between my husband and my cousin during the movie, and so like you know, I could tell that my husband was sort of on the edge of his seat because he kept like, like moving around a lot and getting closer to me. So I knew that he was getting real tense. And so when he finally stopped being invisible for a minute and I could like get a good look at his face and I was, I leaned over to my cousin and I was like, he's so dreamy. And then I was just like, Oh wait, I know who that is. He was dreamy in that other show on Netflix, (laughs) which is like, he's just not some like drug addicted hobo in this one. He was a lot
1: lot more cleaned up. Yeah.
0: Um, And I mean, he did, I, he he was decent in this movie too. I think a lot of the supporting characters in this movie and supporting acting was was also really good. Yeah, especially um, you said his name earlier, Aldous earlier Hodge. Was, yeah, yes, he was he was great. And the the woman who played her sister was also really good. That was the most everyone was good. Yeah, that was the most shocking moment for me. Right. Cause I like was really getting to like that character in this one particular scene. And when you go watch the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I was just like, oh, I like her a lot, you know, and then gasp. It's a huge gasp moment. And I was just like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know? Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Every line she delivered at that table was just comedic gold. And I was just like, I
1: love this bitch. She's
0: great. And then all of a sudden she's dead. And I was like, no! There's so many
1: shocking moments, though. Like when the girl yes. got hit. You know? Yeah. Was just, that was just out of nowhere. And I was just yep. like, holy crap. And there were some really good uh, creative moments with, you know, invisibility. Although, there was a moment in the trailer that I did not notice in the movie. And that was there's someone sitting in that chair. Right? I don't remember that from the actual movie. I did. Yeah. I was waiting for that in the movie. And it, it, it did not happen. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, I wonder if there's going to be like some sort of director's cut with an extra scene or something.
0: I mean, I went to the bathroom one time, but it was during her job interview, so I know she didn't say it there. No. You know? So,
1: yeah. There was all of this stuff that just kind of if God if we had to do a synopsis, like it would be a yeah. lot less linear sounding than the movie actually is, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. This is a hard synopsis <laughs> to write. Yeah. So, uh but that's good. It's it, and I think that is a good testament to lee one l as a writer you know he created a really involved story and that's fantastic although i would say and this is just from my perspective if we were going to pick a lee one l movie to talk about in the deep dive episode i think i would still choose upgrade you know over the invisible man not saying one is better than the other i like them both quite a bit
1: you know but yeah i think upgrade is superior obviously as like an action thriller you know but i feel like as it's like a psychological thriller um you know, you just can't beat Invisible Man, even compared to Upgrade. You just can't. Like, they're they're two very different movies to me. Um, You know, if I wanted a fun time to show people, like, in a group or something, I would probably show Upgrade. You know, if I was going to sit down, you know, and, and, and it, like, with closer friends or something or family and, like, want to have a discussion or something afterwards, a little bit more intimate, then definitely uh, Invisible Man. I did read today that Lee wan has now signed a deal with Blumhouse to
0: make, like, like three or four movies. So...
1: Well, you know, more power to him. Good. I'm, I'm
0: ready for it. Bring it on, man.
1: I also want to mention that uh, Benjamin Walfish did the uh, music for this. And I was a huge fan of his score for Blade Runner 2049 and as well as it actually, and it chapter two, but um, he did an excellent job with the score, especially at the end where, you know, the camera just kind of lingers on her face after, you know, the, the final kind of confrontation and, and there's just like this build up and I, I just thought it was so it was such a perfect moment. And I, I love the way this film ended. What did you think?
0: Um yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I like I liked the ending. I was very satisfied with it. I will say that I've I've never seen any of the hand's, handmaid's tale, and I hear it's very good. do, yeah. But my my cousin was like, How come every time something ends with Elizabeth Moth, it's always like a close-up on her face? So like every episode of a Handmaid's handmaid's tale is a close-up of her face, and so was this movie or something. <laughs> okay.
1: And I was just like, well, it's just What's a the, good way
0: to end things, I
1: guess. Not to take your word for it.
0: Um, I do need to watch that, you know, but there's so many things on my list. I know that's sort of like down toward the bottom yeah. currently. Um, so let's talk about ratings then. Out of five stars, what would you rate The Invisible Man?
1: Well, I was going to say a four just because of that uncomfortable pacing issue where I just wanted to leave a theater, but that just mm-hmm. is a testament to how good it was. And then I, of course I just wanted to, you know, rate it a five, just a middle finger to all those assholes out there, controlling people, the sociopaths that just don't know what the fuck they're doing to, you know, and all the gaslighters out there. So I had to kind of, I know that was a little, it's just struck very close to home for me. So I have to land somewhere in the middle. So I'm giving it a 4.5. Yeah. yeah. I rated it four stars on litter you know,
0: and I, um, I wouldn't call this a perfect movie by any means, you know, but and it's damn I, close I think for me, it, I mean, it was very, very good. And I, I think that in some places throughout the movie, it got a like a wee bit predictable, you know, um, but I enjoyed it a lot and I, I'm happy with the four star rating. I think that's good, you know, and upon yeah. subsequent rewatches, it, it may get higher, you know, um, but I think this is definitely a movie to see in the theater. And I, I really think that it's really good in in, in a group setting. You know, I, it relieves some of the tension. It gives you that, that opportunity to, like, lean over and talk to people quietly in a movie. Quietly. But, um, yeah, I if I had seen this alone, I probably would have been just as tense as you were. I think you need that, that outlet of the person next to you to sort of, like, calm down for a second. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when you it. do
1: kind of curl up on your couch and, and watch this eventually by yourself. And Because it is a different experience, I, I feel like. That's why I brought that up, because I feel like this would have been a, a much different experience, kind of strength in numbers, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. knowing that everyone else you know is kind of going through the same thing, and you can kind of quickly look at people to see, you know, some catharsis in their <laughs> in their faces, you know, that they're just as horrified as you are, but I didn't have that, yeah. you know, so – luckily there was no screaming children or anyone going yay when someone died, but
0: <laughs> God. you know, uh, cause that kind of
1: would have ruined it. But no, it was a very, uh, uh, you know, respectful audience, which was great, but no, um, I, I definitely had a ride with this one. And, um, uh, to me, the, uh, the things that were obviously coming up like i didn't i didn't ever think to myself oh i saw that coming because it almost it wants you to know what's coming because of that feeling of inevitability that kind of feeds that tension you know so that's the only i think that's the only place i would differ with you um when describing the film Um, and that's good it's good to have differences of opinion you know
0: um, I but I think we can both agree that uh, the horror movie, well, the good horror movie drought of twenty nineteen may be over. Let's hope, like from here on out, we get some really good movies and can kind of forget, you know, the last couple months. <laughs> and by God, I mean here we are talking about like early twenty nineteen and doesn't well twenty twenty early twenty twenty, and doesn't it feel like twenty twenty has been going on for like four or five months already? <laughs> like Christ, <laughs> it's been a long. so far (laughs) for fucking sure well guys if you've seen the invisible man let us know what you thought about it or our conversation or our opinions about the movie you can do all of that on social media at the film flamers on twitter facebook instagram and now letterboxd
1: and you can email us at TiredQueens at FilmFlamers.com, and really, if you if you have an opinion on this film, we'd love you to call into our hotline at 972-666-7733. That's right, we will play those voicemails
0: on our Shooting the Flames episode, where we talk about ratings and reviews from Apple Podcasts, so head over there, leave us a five-star rating, a little snippet of a review, We'll read it on Shooting the Flames. We also like to announce our new patrons, so head over to Patreon.com slash TheFilmFlamers to check out all of our bonus content um, and get uh, early access to episodes for as little as $2. I know this month we're going to be doing a flashback episode on 13 women. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in and until next time, sweet dreams. There's really nothing funny about this movie to make a joke about. I don't (laughs) know. I just,
1: (laughs) I want, like, as soon as he spilled the paint, (laughs) like as soon as she spills the paint on him, which came out of nowhere I, I jumped oh yeah when she saw his head and mm-hmm. she was really smart to that because I didn't even see the paint there until she just fucking did it I just wanted him to be like
0: you ruined it you ruined everything <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was getting kind of mad when she put all that, all the coffee grounds on the floor, right? And she was sitting very patiently waiting to see like footprints in it. And
1: then she crawled through it. And I was like, well, you ruined everything. (laughs) I was was like, why would you set that trap? I was just so worried. Like when the guy was coming home, you know? that uh he was just gonna she's gone right so he was just gonna see like paint all over his fucking wood floor and like oh all the dishes are like broken and
0: <laughs> yes he was like i just asked you to leave i didn't ask you to ruin my house and now i don't have any coffee for the morning i <laughs> oh <my> god bitch <laughs> 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 oh thank okay let me stop this recording